Hey friends, it's Corey Andrew Powell here, letting you know it's time to treat yourself with an exclusive Motivational Mondays deal at the NSLS shop. Listeners get 20% off shop-wide with the code MONDAYS. That's M-O-N-D-A-Y-S. Need a new coffee tumbler? Or perhaps you want to keep it classy with a new hardcover notebook? Well, get them on sale. Listen, with this deal, I'm tempted to trade in my bow tie collection for one of those cute NSLS hoodies. And don't forget, use code MONDAYS at checkout. That's M-O-N-D-A-Y-S. Enjoy that 20% off at shop.nsls.org. And stay motivated, leaders. Stay motivated. Hello, everyone. I am Corey Andrew Powell, and I am truly honored today to be joined by retired U.S. Army Staff Sergeant Travis Mills of the 82nd Airborne Division. He is a recalibrated warrior, motivational speaker, actor, author, and an advocate for veterans and amputees. Travis's New York Times bestselling memoir, Tough As They Come, is currently available on sale in bookstores everywhere. Now, despite losing portions of both arms and legs from an IED while on active duty in Afghanistan, Travis continues to overcome life's challenges, breaking physical barriers and defying all the odds he lives up to the motto never give up never quit and his new book which i might have too much of a glare on my computer there but his new book is called bounce back 12 warrior principles to reclaim and recalibrate your life travis welcome to motivational mondays Hey, thanks for having me, champion. What a wonderful introduction. You nailed it, by the well, way. Thank, <laughs> thank you. Well, listen, you yeah. lived it. You lived it. So the yeah. least I could do is summarize it properly for everyone. So uh, as I said, truly, uh, it is an honor, and I mean that seriously. I know people say that, but it, it is because I, um, for me, people who make a decision to go into the military, who decide to go into law enforcement, and who also are uh, in the academic field, like teachers, all mm-hmm. those people are always uh, – such, uh, I, I just admire those, those choices because very often those are thankless situations where you, you give so much. So thank you for your sacrifice and service to our country. Yeah, I appreciate it. I'll be honest with you. Uh, I tried college out. Wasn't my thing. I missed the camaraderie of a sports team because mm. I was playing some college football and the military was something I was always interested in. So I decided to try it out thinking I'll do four years. I'll be, you know, more mature. I'll go back to college. If I don't like the military, I'll get out. But I ended up really enjoying it mm. and re-enlisting while I was in. Wow. And it's interesting you say that too, because as a, for a kid, for me, like growing up in the eighties, there was like this sort of period where there was a generation that did not have like wars going on for, for the first time for a moment. And, you know, after yeah. Vietnam and, the military was like an option for people who wanted to go to college or quote, see the world. Like it was really interesting mm-hmm. that the the motivation when I was young for going to college was almost sort of like a, an alternative option, if you will, to going to college or getting college paid for, et cetera. So yeah. then things change, of course, very different in the next decades or so. And you find yourself going into combat. So if you would just, just so people have a little bit of the backstory in your own words, what was that situation like for you when you had this life changing experience? Yeah. So, uh, for all the people out there that are your listeners, your followers, obviously you do a great job with, you know, recruiting people to listen and, and, uh, get these motivational Mondays. I was in Afghanistan for my third trip over. I was a squad leader in the 82nd Airborne Division. I was in charge of the big heavy machine guns, which is a senior squad leader spot. So out of 40 guys, in my platoon, I was 24 years old, and I was the third highest ranking non-commissioned officer in my unit. So I had guys that were older than me and been in longer, but I was still their boss. And we were mixing it up with the Taliban uh, regularly, weekly. And we went on patrol on April 10th of 2012, came to a short halt. I put my backpack on the ground, 
And as soon as it hit the ground, uh, I landed on a bomb and the bomb went off and it took my right arm, right leg off instantly. And then my left leg was uh, broken pretty bad, uh, muscle and tendon holding it on, but that was about it, some skin. And my left wrist was blown out pretty bad. And when it was all said and done, you know, through the medics working on me, the helicopter ride, the hospital, it was 14 hours of surgery. Uh, I was a triple amputee. And then two days after that, uh, they flew me to Bagram, Afghanistan, and they had cut my left hand off the rest of the way. So I was then a quadruple amputee. And then they woke me up uh, April 14th, which was my 25th birthday. And I got the chance to find out I had no arms and legs anymore due to a roadside bomb. And uh, then I started questioning, like, you know, why this happened? Am I a bad person? You know, uh, faith-based, like, you know, does God hate me? I was wondering how can I still be a husband and a father at the time? My wife was 23 and we had a six-month-old daughter at the time. And then the big question I had was like, why did I just die? Like, how is this going to be better for people? And uh, it's kind of a fast-forwarded version. But then I made it back to the States on the 17th of uh, April. And they had taken me for emergency surgery. So my wife came to see me get out of the truck, you know, off the truck to go to the hospital. And they stopped her and made her sign paperwork to take me into emergency surgery, cut my right leg higher. And the next day when I saw her, I told her, you know what? You don't got to do this. You can take the house, the cars, any money. It's yours and financially, whatever I can do forever, I'll do for you and Chloe. But you guys don't need this in your life. I'm going to be a burden. So, so you know, you, you're good. And she didn't hesitate. My wife was like, that's not how this works. You know, we'll go through this together. And then I, you know, then it was all about getting better. And, I, and again, this is a very abbreviated story. I understand that. Right, right. But, but, uh, but that's kind of where we're at. Well, listen, uh, this is probably the second time I've done this show for three years now. I was like literally trying not to just break down in that. <laughs> I was yeah. like, um, it is so harrowing. That is such an amazing story. And um, that level of grief and feeling like you don't understand why. I love that you kind of channel all that in this book, The 12 Warrior Principles, the Bounce Back book, because you talk about that feeling of mm-hmm. Wanting to know why something happens as opposed to just accepting that something happens and get better from it. So I actually, you, you have these great 12 principles in the book that I think are like actionable steps to get better, uh, and to do better in life. But I highlighted some of the, the five of the ones that I really wanted to talk about. And that is actually the one to begin with, which is the asking why. And you say about that basically, which is the, the dog, that dog don't hunt expression, which I love. Um, Stop torturing yourself and stop asking why. So talk a little bit about the pitfall of getting stuck in asking why versus just accepting. Yeah. I mean, for me, um, with my situation, you know, you can sit there and you can, why this happen? What if I would have did this? What if I would have done that? What if I would have changed this up? And I would do that in my hospital bed. I would do that. And then my wife would come by, my daughter would come lay on my chest and play with me. She was six months old. And then I would close my eyes and I'd hope and I'd wish and I'd pray this never happened. And I would think, when I open my eyes, you know, this is all going to be a nightmare. I'm going to wake up and not be in this hospital bed. And I would open my eyes and I was still there. And I realized early on, one of the life lessons that I live by is don't dwell on the past, just reminisce it because you can't change what happened yesterday. Mm-hmm. And I realized that if I kept asking why and I kept playing out different scenarios of what could have happened, what I could have done different, I was going to get lost in different, just a whole, you know, maze of, you know, what if I did this? What if I did that? And I realized that there's no answer that's ever going to suffice. No, there's no answer out there for me that is going to be like, 
now I get it. Like that makes sense. So instead of, instead of being angry and bitter about the whole thing happening, I realized, you know what? Stop asking why. And, and it's not like it's the easiest thing to do, right? Mm-hmm. You still wonder some days, but just accept like this is my new life. This is my new normal. I have norms and legs, but I have prosthetics. My daughter was there with me the whole time. I learned how to walk with my daughter. And I don't think I'd be the same person if my daughter wasn't there. I think it might have been maybe a different outcome. But because I had my daughter there, you know, needing me to be her father, my wife being by my side, Mm -hmm. being strong for us, and given the chance to live through my injuries where a lot of my friends overseas didn't make it back home, it was easier to get over my injuries and get past the why. Yeah. And just accept and, and move forward on recovery and, and figuring out like, how can I be, you know, productive in life? Because I mean, there was five weeks of not having a prosthetic arm where I needed help getting dressed, using the restroom, just a whole bunch of things, you know? So, and then once I got my prosthetic arm five weeks in, it was like, okay, now I can do things independently. And then mm-hmm. it turned into not poor me, pity me. It turned into, okay, how do I find my new normal? How do I recalibrate my life? not be a wounded warrior, right? Just be a, uh, a recalibrated warrior mm-hmm. and change the mindset of, of uh, how I see myself because I was given the chance to survive my injuries. Mm. It's interesting you bring up the wounded warrior phrase because every time I'm watching television and I see certain commercials, there are certain ones I'm like, yeah, I'm going to donate to that one. And wounded warriors is one of those. Uh, and, and and I, the thing is, it's not, and I want to make it very clear, uh, you know, Cordy, everybody, like it's not a knock on Wounded Warrior Project. Mm-hmm. I just think that wounded has a negative connotation. Right. I think it already puts sadness in people like, oh, you're one of those wounded guys. Mm-hmm. Whereas like, look, I have scars, right? My wounds have healed. I have scars, massive scars, you know, down my back and, and everything like that. But it, it's just a, like even the word veteran now, like, oh, you're a veteran. Like what's wrong? Right. Mm-hmm. You're already like assumed to have something wrong because you're a veteran. Right. Whereas right. I'm like, no, I was proud to serve, thankful to have the opportunity, had a bad day at work. And I don't need people feeling like there's something tremendously wrong with me. Like when I, I go and I speak, right. And I know I'm getting off topic here, but I no, go no, and, please. I was explaining to the last folks I talked to in New Mexico, just two days ago, I was in New Mexico and I got to go to Denver tomorrow. You know, it's kind of a full-time gig for me now. It's uh, about 400 plus engagements now. I don't know. That's amazing. Congratulations a, not, on that though. Thanks. That's amazing. Not, not a year. I cap it at 40. I don't do, you know, <laughs> yeah. I own a few other. You have things. to live your life with, yeah, as well. I got, a, yeah. you know, my wife and two kids now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so, but I was explaining to the person that was talking to me afterwards and said, you know, if I would come to the cocktail hour, I get invited to come to the cocktail hour for dinner and for the awards banquet, whatever, you know, they bring me in for. And maybe three, four people will talk to me, you know, because everyone wants to stay away because I have norms legs. So like, oh, I, I wonder what, like, what, what if I say the wrong thing to that guy? Then I go on stage and I tell jokes and then I tell my story and I am relatable to everybody because I'm a father, I'm a husband, right? I was a service member, I'm a business owner and I'm somebody there to, you know, motivate them and let them know like, no matter what, never give up, never quit, keep pushing mm-hmm. forward. And yes, you can. Yeah. And when I get done talking, then I have a whole lineup and I always mm-hmm. tell the clients to hire me, like I'll be the first in the room to do the tech check and I'll be the last one in the room. Anybody wants to get a picture or talk to me can. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing is, I realized for me to make everybody else feel comfortable by telling jokes is how I get the conversation started with people and let them see me as who I am. Right. And I think this is a roundabout way. And I get, we went way off the rails here. No, me it's, saying, it's relevant. I want to be more than my injuries. And I need people to, to see that just cause I'm, you know, was wounded and I'm a recalibrated guy. Like I'm still a Travis. Mm-hmm. And the best thing I've done in my hometown here where I live in Maine or the, 
I guess kind of all over Maine is when they try to describe who I am to people, they're like, Oh, you know, the guy that has a Travis Mills foundation, uh, you know, like Chloe's dad or Dax's dad, or I own a restaurant, you know, in a Marina or whatever. And then like about the fourth or fifth one, you know, the guy that lost his arms and legs. And I went from the guy with no arms, no legs to now, all these other ways to describe me. And then right. finally it's like, you know, the guy with no arms, no legs. Right. You know? That that moved down the ladder basically yeah. now. People think of you not by your it, injuries. And I think that was the mindset of like, I'm no longer wounded. Right. And mm. I'm no longer, I'm just, I'm just a regular everyday dad. Mm. Yeah. And I have, I have a new normal, you know? Mm. Yeah. That's really profound. Seriously, because it does make me rethink that you're right. There's a negative connotation. And especially when there's always a conversation around, veterans and how they're cared for by the government there's always this narrative of like you know they're all not cared for they're not doing well and i do wonder though in that regard and this is not to get political with right or left or democrat or republican it's just about this is about the u.s government in general taking care of veterans do you feel there could be more done on that side of things to take care of veterans better or people who've been wounded in combat or do you i mean uh, how do you feel about that I mean, I'm, I'm taking care of very well, very thankful for the things I have and the abilities that I have to be taken mm-hmm. care of, uh, with my prosthetics to my healthcare to my family. Okay. I will say a lot of times that the squeaky wheel gets the grease mm-hmm. and there's people that go out there and they want to bang the war drum about how bad the, the VA is and they're right. not actually entitled to it. Mm. And I think there's a lot of that that goes on where people, okay. they think they're deserving it. Like if, like for instance, if I worked at Google for four years and I left Google, they wouldn't take care. Like Google's not going to be like, Oh, let's keep doing your medical. Let's keep doing this. Right. The military is volunteer and people volunteer for four years and they get out and then they Mm -hmm. go somewhere else and they, and then they want the VA to do something for them. And they're like, sorry, we, you're not covered anymore. And people get mad about that. It's like, it was volunteer. Like Mm -hmm. Vietnam, you were drafted. Right. Right. Iraq and Afghanistan. So, so I do have mixed feelings. I have mixed feelings on it. I think the government does the best they can. I think that if you're very forthcoming with the information of what you need what and what the expectations are and what you're entitled to, I think that it goes a lot smoother. And I also I see a lot of stories out there where that person is actually not entitled to, to the benefit that they're trying to get. Mm-hmm. So, And that's up to them to sort of know that before they – like they should know what that status yeah. is and what their limitations are before they would ask I'm, for – yeah, I mean, I, I know a gentleman that uh, broke his leg playing in a pickup soccer game, but he had gotten out of the military uh, after four years. I mean, did a combat tour, you know, two of them, but like got out and then broke his leg and was like, well, the VA is not going to fix it. And it's like, why why would they? It's not a, it's not a VA or a army or a government problem, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And I wasn't very popular with him that day. <laughs> well, I appreciate you saying that and telling me about that because I had not thought about that. You know, I think there's just, like I said, there's always a narrative of like, I'm in the military and, yeah. uh, th- and there's not enough being done for me, but I had not considered all those nuances. You know, are you active? How you were injured? Was it in combat? And that's different than the, your friend who broke his leg, you know, violent, like kind of leisurely playing a, a sport, you know, so I, uh, I definitely appreciate that, that clarity and i want people to who are listening and watching to think about that now when they see or hear people uh say that the government's not doing enough that it's probably a bigger story there well i mean and and uh, look there there's things that fall through the cracks i'm not saying there's not so Mm -hmm. you know there's always room for improvement i'm just saying that for my personal 
care. It's it's very good. So yes. I'm very grateful. I'm very grateful for that. Okay. Rock and roll. That's awesome. Well, listen, more principles, more of your 12 principles. Yeah. So yeah. one of the other one, of course, which I love, we kind of tapped into it, but it's uh, unpack the rucksack, which is like you just said, to process what happens so you can grow from it. Mm-hmm. So what I've discovered from all the very successful business owners or people who are successful in life, people who I've interviewed here on this podcast over the past few years, there is this common denominator of not getting stuck and sort of processing uh, what you might have thought was a failure beforehand or what you thought might have been a trauma. So this idea of actually owning that trauma and embracing that trauma as a means to bring you forward is also another um, sort of extension of what you said previously. Mm-hmm. But um, what do you feel about that, about you know taking experiences and, and growing from them when they've been so traumatic? I mean, there's a balance of grievance and growth. How do you find that middle ground? Yeah, I mean, there's, uh, we can make excuses for why something's the way it is. We can sit there and think we know what's going on, but until you fully look at it from all angles and, and, you know, like it says, unpack your rucksack, you're never really going to get to the bottom of why something's happening. What's causing you to feel a certain way? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I believe that this book that I, I was fortunate to write, Bounce Back with Kathy Huck, I mean, it, it's not just my story, right? It's not just a military side story. Like this is other people's story, things they've been through, divorce, cancer, widowers, drug addiction, sexual abuse, survivors, mm-hmm. and things like that. And as far as the unpack your rucksack, I know that actually he runs a very successful post-traumatic stress program for the military and first responders through the Travis Mills Foundation, James Prindle. It's his story in there about the rucksack. And he's talking about how he was always angry and mad after he got out of the Marines and he explains what he was thinking, what he went through and he couldn't fully heal until he took into consideration everything going on. Exactly. What was making him feel that way? And then now he's leading this very, uh, it's just the best in the nation. I don't know how to put it innovative, but it's the best in the nation for post-traumatic stress, um, warrior path program for the Travis Mills foundation. And, you know, that's what my, my hope was for this book was to incorporate other people's stories that are common so people know that they're not alone out there. And I think your support group um, that you fall back on is is the real key to success and recovery. And um, this chapter about unpack your rucksack, it just, it, it really opens up people's minds to think, okay, there's probably a deeper issue that I'm not taking care of. I'm not looking at all angles. I'm not really getting to the root of it. I'm just trying to band-aid to get through today or band-aid to get through this situation or this feeling I have once in a while. And, you know, I, I think it really opens up people's minds to take a, take a more, you know, uh, extensive look at themselves and figure out what's really going on. Mm. I'm a big advocate of that, especially when it comes to therapy in general. So I haven't had the, the traumatic experience that you've had and of course the injuries and, and all that. But, you know, I've had my own sort of like personal traumas that I yeah. didn't even know bothered me until I was like 28 years old and I was being reckless with behavior and didn't understand why I was in New York City being a knucklehead, you know, and <laughs> in the 90s. And um, I said, you know, I got to figure this out. And I went to therapy and I began to really unpack Stuff that I had no idea was there and bothered me. And it wasn't until, you know, that point that I was able to move forward and it changed everything. I mean, it, and for the better, right? Like I, I understood why I was doing things, trying to fill voids, you know, with bad stuff. And, you know, so it's a, I, I agree. You have to kind of get to the root of who you are and what ails you, if you will, before you can get better. 
Well, yeah, and like one of my best friends, uh, he his story's in there. He got a divorce, but his name's Bobby, and he, his story's in the book where he wasn't sure why he was so cut off from everybody or so short with his wife at the time and things like that. And then after he went through the PATH program, he found out like it's survivor's guilt. Mm. He felt so terrible that a lot of his buddies that were in the Marines with him had died because mm. um, he was a crew chief on CH-46, like Chinook-style helicopters. And he felt bad um, that he didn't understand why they passed away and he didn't and things like that. But it, I mean, it helped him change his whole life around and the narrative, yeah. maybe in the driver's seat. And I will tell you this, I run into a lot I run into this a lot where I, I give my presentation and then people come talk to me and they tell me something that they went through or something they got better, like, like you did, right? You had to go to therapy, but they'll say nothing like what you went through. And if I can just be real, and I mean, this is not just to promote the book or to have this, you know, me sound good. Your biggest problem is your biggest problem, right? So I hate when people feel they have to downplay what they're going through because I, I was in a bomb. Because the same, the, the biggest thing is like what we go through is real. What we have experienced in life that affects us in a positive or negative way is real. And I think sometimes people get too caught up on trying to compare their, their, mm. what their experiences are to my experience. And at the end of the day, your biggest problem is your biggest problem. And I would not want you to take that away from yourself. And I would never take that away from you. Mm. So, I mean, I appreciate you opening up and telling me that, but I need you to know that we all have things we deal with. And and I think that's important for people out there because I feel like a lot of people don't go get the help. Like you and I went and sought and got because they think, well, I'm not as bad off as this person. Like they have real problems and, mm-hmm. and mine are just, mine are just like small problems. So I, I don't need to get the help. And I think I'm really butchering this right now, but does that make no, sense? No, no, it, no, it does. And there's a, no. And, and it's funny because I didn't even realize when I, before I shared that story with you, the first thing I said it was, yeah, well, it wasn't like what you went through, but yeah. And I didn't even catch that, but to you, you're sensitive to that because you hear it a lot. And I, and I, I definitely I just appreciate don't like, that. Yeah. I don't like people to downplay what they went through because they believe that what I went through was worse because at the end of the day, what you went through was real. What you mm-hmm. went through affected you and what you went through helped you for the better because you went and got the help. Yeah. And I think I'm putting in the context of, I feel like a lot of people will not get the help because they don't think that they're as bad off as somebody else. Mm-hmm. Like, Oh, they're, they're worse than, you know, they're like, they're worse than I, I, I don't think I need to get the help. Cause like if they can do it, I, I should be able to do it. And it's right, like, right. you never know what people are really going through. And, and yeah, my injuries, my injuries are, are noticeable, right? <laughs> they're visual. But at the same time, it doesn't make someone else that's going through something with, like, say, anxiety or financial problems any less important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those things uh, can be very yeah. debilitating for yeah. for people. Now, um, I, I did, yeah, I did have a lady tell me that she was having a bad hair day when she saw me and thought, "Well, I guess my day's not that bad." I like, well, <laughs> I mean, well, like, okay, less that, yeah. And yeah, her, in like, her oh. case, <laughs> she's the exception to the rule. That yeah, way. <laughs> yeah. But I think, but hopefully, hopefully, people know when they hear stories like yours or like mine that that we all go through things and we all need to unpack our rucksack or, or take a good look at what we're, why we're dealing with this. And, yeah. and, and, you know, you get one life to live. And I, I know I hate the term YOLO. I, I'm like, that's so stupid. But at the same time, like, it's not, it's true. And you might as well make the best of it because you only get one, one life to live. Yeah. I mean, it is a really, uh, it's a, it's a kind of a overused acronym, I guess at this point, but yeah, it is definitely a real a real thing because uh yeah. I always you know the whole idea about this is not a dress rehearsal it really comes into play when you think about like how fast you know your birthdays come and you wake up one day and you're like wait I'm how old <laughs> you yeah. know it's, it's really moving quickly so I totally agree with you on that you got to make yeah. the best of it so when it comes to that though other veterans I'm going to talk about your mm-hmm. foundation Travis Mills Foundation 
and how it impacts the the lives of 9-11 veterans and their families. So tell me a little bit about the foundation, what it does and, um, and, and what successes you've had with it. Yeah. So, uh, I lost my chance to serve, right? I was at the hospital and I realized like, I'm no longer Staff Sergeant Travis Mills, leader of combat soldiers. Uh, the job I was born to do, I felt like. And my wife and I wanted to do something to give back. And we saw all these great nonprofits helping us out, helping other veterans and their families out. So we decided to start the Travis Mills Foundation. And it was simple. It's just care packages. We donated $5,000 from ourselves to do care packages. Mm. And we did the care packages. And then I went on these cool trips at Walter Reed, you know, downhill mountain biking, snowboarding, kayaking. And when I went on these trips, because my injuries, I require a non-medical assistant. I still need help put my legs on and my arm on the right way to this day and my and button in my pants, right? I mean, about five minutes in the morning, I'm usually good, pretty independent, good to go. Mm-hmm. But I still need that help. And when my wife got to go on these trips with me, we were both healing together. And I was ex- able to experience these like adrenaline rushes and these highs and these things where I was like, I'm not going to teach my kids how to play football, basketball, baseball, the sports I played, right? I mean, I can talk them through it, but I can't play catch. I can't, you know, and that's okay. Like, but I can still do these action sports. And it was so amazing, but I realized that the, the funding was for the service member to learn it. Mm-hmm. And they had to get as many service members as they could through. So the non-medical assistants were for the guys that were like me. And I thought, well, geez, I'm just so fired up. I can do this with my family. So let's start something for families. And it was just an idea that was born of bringing families out that have been through physical injuries due to service. And we did a proof of concept week at a camp we rented. We did another proof of concept week the next year. And went so we bought a facility and we opened it in 2017 after like two years of renovations. And now we bring out eight families per week and show them to live life off the sidelines, no matter what their injuries are, spinal cord, amputations, you know, something that's physically debilitating due to service. Could be a car accident stateside, could be overseas getting blown up like me, but we bring them out and let them know, Hey, go after it. You know, live out the slogan of never go up, never quit. And then, um, because of my speaking and people talking about post-traumatic stress so much to me, we found a way to partner with Warrior Path Program. And we do 12 weeks. Next year, we're doing 15 weeks of that. And that actually just had a new add-on where now it's not just combat veterans, but it's combat veterans and first responders. Hmm. And we, we uh, our annual budget is like $4.5 million. Um, I've never taken a dime. I don't pay myself from the foundation. I'll take bonuses. I'm not on any salary. It's not about me and Kelsey getting paid for this. It's about giving back. And we're just grateful. We've grown to be one of the top veteran service organizations out there and um, we're doing really well. So I'm happy about that. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. I mean, so the activities, so these are like, as you mentioned, people who have these physical conditions, you have these different, I guess, sort of mechanisms in place that allow them to experience these sports, right? Like different, I mean, I I would Um, imagine some innovation going on there that, yeah. Yeah. We make it adaptable. So like, archery you know like i i can shoot a bow and arrow they found a way to like do up a harness for me where i hit my chin on it to release the arrow and mm. hold the bow and so we have archery we have golfing we have down the, the little hill or whatever across the road we have all the water sports kayaking canoeing and we have a high-rise ropes course but we can put people in a wheelchair and do the ropes course i mean mm. we made it fully accessible barrier free is our you know what we strive for and we let the whole family do it as um, a unit, which is um, life changing. And we keep it to eight families per week, not because I couldn't go bigger, because I don't want to. Right. It's not clinical. You know, if people need any therapy, we have a really good relationship with the VA. Luckily, no one's had like a breakdown where we've had to do that. And then, you know, the most uh, 
healing or opening and sharing is around the bonfire, right? Mm -hmm. The kids are all worn out. They get their s'more. They go to bed. The adults sit out there. We let them have adult beverages as long as they don't get out of control. Right. And, uh, and they just share. They just share what they're going through, what they experience. And it's really neat, you know, from an idea of how can I still serve to what we have now. It's been a wild ride. You know, some it, some sleepless nights. Some is this going to work? To now, we just try to give back and do as much as we can. We have seven different programs now um, that we actually offer, so it's going really well. Wow, this is an amazing conversation. I thank you, and I want to just tell you that one of the most inspirational photos is your beautiful photo of you and your family on the back of the book, where it's just um, you know that's a, a man who's grateful and has everything to live for with a beautiful family, and we are all. Um, better for it for you being here and telling your story. So retired U.S. Army Staff Sergeant Travis Mills of the 82nd Airborne Division and author of Bounce Back. Thanks for joining me today here on Motivational Mondays. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. And if I could put a shameless plug in here, if you guys want to check me out on social media, uh, I make a lot of fun videos at SSG Travis Mills for Instagram and Facebook. And I got some that are probably going to probably make you, hopefully you'll buckle over with laughter. But uh, no, hey, Corey, it's been great. Thanks so much for having me on your, on your podcast here, and, and thanks for the time. I hope, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. My pleasure. Thank you, sir. Thank you for listening to Motivational Mondays, presented by the National Society of Leadership and Success, and available wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. I'm Corey Andrew Powell, and I'll see you again here next week.